0: if you have a need so the past several weeks we have been focusing on the kindness initiative Um, it's an opportunity for us to highlight different acts of kindness in our church community these are things that people are already doing we're not organizing these things these are things that people in our congregation in our church family are doing and this week we have one that's a little bit different may is foster care awareness month So we thought we would take a week to highlight um, one of our foster families and let you know what they're doing and how how their how foster care is being affected by this present crisis. So we have a little video for you. I hope you enjoy it. May is National Foster Care Awareness Month, and typically um, you'll see signs up in libraries and church events, and um, you'll see posters up in Market Basket in other public places. We are really, really passionate about giving families a second chance in seeing kids go back to their biological parents. Some people foster with the hopes to adopt, and that's not our hope. There's really nothing like seeing someone who's been in foster care for six months or a year or even two years get to go home and be with their father or their mother and be reunified with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think that's just amazing. There's nothing else really quite like that. So
2: um, We really feel like this is something that, um, that, that God has called us to do. So a big part of that is just relying on, on, on him and, and, and believing in that calling. Also, I guess like for me specifically, it's just that knowing that there's a need. Um, when we were going through training, um, it was some some of the things that I was hearing and exposed to was I won't say it was shocking, but just kind of realizing that that's that's <laughs> some kids' reality was kind of heartbreaking, um, and it and it in it really just solidified in my heart that like if I can do something to help. To help these kids, then then I want to be able to do that. So even when it when it's difficult and and we have maybe have challenging kids or our kids might be having a hard time, um, it the knowing that there's a real need there and that we're 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 really helping people um, that and kids that need to be safe and feel safe um, helps me to to kind of persevere.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of child welfare workers think that after um, the whole COVID-19 thing settles down that there's actually going to be a surge in children who are put in foster care. When stress levels are higher and children are home from school for longer periods of time and people are out of work, there is typically more abuse and more neglect, unfortunately, that goes on. So once those children are back in school or in summer camp or just back out in the community and being seen more, that there will be um, a much greater need for more homes than even like typically. From the very first time that... um someone called us to give us more information to when we got licensed was really probably only five months. It can really take, I would say, anywhere from um, five or six months up to maybe a year.
2: If you're considering it, then look into it. I mean, one of the things that they told us in training is that just because you're in training, that doesn't mean that you have to commit to being a foster parent.
0: If you're listening to this and this um, sounds like something that you might want to pursue or just something that you want more information about or maybe you just like to hear more of our story, then you can contact um, Calvary Chapel and they'll put you in touch with us.
3: Hey, church! What the deans is doing is just—it's—it's uh, it's just beyond um, ability to to grasp at some points. That they want more kids in their in their family, and and what's so cool about it is that the kids that they're reaching out to—they're making a huge difference. And uh, the kindness initiative is uh, thematically what we're doing is really just showcasing an organic move that happened in our church. You know, started. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, where people just began reaching out to their neighbors. They began uh, doing good deeds. They began making a difference in people's lives. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, I am just absolutely thrilled with that. And so here's the challenge we've been putting out to people. It's a simple challenge. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you can make a difference in their life this week. And I hope that uh, you would be thinking about that and, and praying about that this morning. Who is that one person that you could make a difference in? And, uh, you know, just reach out, reach out and do it and bring a smile to someone's face in the, in the name of Christ. Well, right now we're going to teach uh, verse by verse uh, in God's Word. And I'd like you to get your Bibles open And uh, we're going to be looking at Titus chapter 3 this morning, but we're going to start out in Philippians chapter 2. So if you find your way to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to use Philippians chapter 2 kind of as the introduction to Titus chapter 3 this morning. And so let's pray together as you find your Bibles and uh, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And and then we're going to finish up uh, Paul's letter to Titus uh, in Titus chapter 3 this morning. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. It speaks to our heart. It it, it, it transforms us uh, from the inside out, Lord. It transforms our mind and it transforms our heart. It gives us a fresh perspective, a new vision for, for pursuing Christ, Lord. And we pray for that this morning, Lord. We pray, Lord, for a fresh uh, infilling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that would transform our life Transform our heart, and Lord that we could make a difference in the world around us. we pray this in christ 's name. amen. Well, if you come to Philippians chapter two for a minute we're going to use Philippians chapter two as as part of our introduction and uh, you know many of you know that I coached uh, uh, soccer and uh, and for for a season of time coached basketball. You might ask how a little shrimp like me could coach basketball. Uh, well, I was only the assistant coach in basketball, uh, but I loved coaching soccer, and I loved uh, motivating uh, young men and women to pursue excellence in, in, their, in the game, in, in the beautiful game, I'll say that. And one of the most, uh, one of the most important things in soccer and in basketball, and the most, one of the most important things in life is what's your attitude? What kind of attitude do you bring to the game? You know, and I've seen uh, uh, young men and women that, you know, th- they might have been a little slow or maybe just they lacked a little skill, but these kids had a great attitude. And, and what happened out of a great attitude is they achieved uh, victory in, in their games. Now, they might have not been the best player, but, but their attitude just uh, fueled a can-do a winning attitude and when we look at the scriptures uh, paul drills down on this issue of attitude that determines outcome and our country right now it's i think it's getting a little hot you got these guys showing up at uh, rallies and uh, protest things and they've got their 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 mini 14s and their shotguns <laughs> and you just look at the news and you just go holy moly well, that, these guys are crazy And, you know, our world is cooking right now. It's like in a slow cooker. And it presents us as believers, presents us with an opportunity that if we have the right attitude, if we have the right perspective, we can make a significant difference in the world around us. Like right now, right today, when you talk to your friends, talk to your coworkers, you know, and uh, having the Christ-like attitude That's Philippians chapter 2. Come there with me. Take a listen to this. Paul writes in Philippians 2. Then we're going to hop over to Titus chapter 3. Paul writes, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any encouragement, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. Now the Apostle Paul had a great pastor's heart, and I can echo this. I can echo this. If you want to cause Pastor Ed to be more joyful, here's the answer. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. and here's what's operative. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice be, before <laughs> you've got to make a choice between a stinking attitude and an attitude that's Christ-like. When I back in the day when I worked for CBN, Ben Kinchlow, many some of you people might remember him. He's a big dude, and he'd walk around and 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 if he catch a wrong attitude, get right in your face and say, "No stinking attitudes!" <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta get back to the text. No stinking attitudes around here. And look what there's a contrast. There's a choice that has to be made to make a difference in our world. Look at verse three. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant, more significant, that's the ESV, are better than yourself. Treat others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of your neighbors. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though Christ was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. We're in the mix here now. Slow cookers on. Pressure in the pressure cookers building. And you're going to have to make a decision of of what your attitude's going to be to the people around you. And what I'm suggesting this morning is if, if you grab a hold of servanthood, if you grab a hold of Christ Christ's attitude, who who just humbled himself, became obedient unto the cross, who who didn't who gave his life as a ransom to be a servant, we can make a difference in our culture today. Come with me to Titus chapter three. In Titus chapter three, Paul gives us this last little chapter of this practical pastoral letter to Titus, who was Paul's go-to man to deal with a crisis in Crete. And the crisis in Crete had to do with false doctrine, but it also had to do with the attitude of the believers. Paul even calls them to account, uses their own prophet to tell them, you're slothful, you're lazy, you're more concerned about your own needs than the needs of other people. And he rounds out this little letter by, by telling them what their attitude should be towards government. What their atti- attitude should be towards their neighbor. What their attitude should be towards, towards one another in the church. And we need that today. What should be our attitude towards our government today? And I know our government's not perfect, I know there's some looney tune mayors and governors that are exceeding their authority, but what should be our attitude in general towards our government? What should it be? What does what the Bible call for our attitude to be towards our, our police force our, our uh, uh, the Department of Public Health or, or our governor? What, what should be the Christian attitude towards them? What's going to, and we, by default we could say, what's going to win today? I'm concerned about winning our community for Christ what attitude (laughs) you say Conway you're hot today yes I am it's like what attitude is going to make a difference I want to make a difference what attitude is going to make that difference look at Titus chapter 3 verse 1 about what the believer's attitude should be towards our government officials Paul writes this remind them remind those people in Crete and he could say that to us Remind those people in the Merrimack Valley, and I know there's folks listening from all over the country. Remind those people in Arizona. Remind those people in Florida. Remind those people in Colorado. Remind them this. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authority authorities. To be obedient. Yes, our attitude is should be a voluntarily voluntarily giving support, uh, cooperating. For the common good. Now I'm going to be quick because I'm I'm going to get this question, but I'm going to be quick to say that our absolute loyalty. I'm going to take a question away from the end. Our absolute loyalty is due only to God. Acts five twenty nine. Should we be able to obey God or man? But this isn't the case today. This isn't the case at all. Is that are we going to give our support and help in Massachusetts? The governor said, everybody needs to wear a mask outside. You go outside and, and you can't do social distance. Are you going to do that? Are you going to, but are you going to do it out of grudgingly? submit? Oh, I have to do this. Are you going to do it because you love your neighbor? See, that's, that's a Christ-like attitude. You know, it's still a virtue to willingly give something up because you love other people. That's still a Christ-like virtue. You know, if we looked at one of the most interesting parts of Scripture is on this topic. Come with me to Jeremiah, if you would. Uh, Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine, and s- some of you know uh, the context here: the children of Israel in Babylon, they're in captive. You know, they're they're in a place where the the government is not any part Christian at all, any part there's no they weren't Christian they weren't any part you know a Jewish culture. they ripped the people out of their home, shut down the temple worship, dragged them away some by hooks in their jaws, drag them away into captivity and the prophet Jeremiah comes to them and gives us a great insight as far as their attitude while they're in captivity, and I think it applies to us today. What should be our attitude? And we're certainly not in captivity. I mean, I had a good time at Market Basket this morning. I like, I like this senior thing, you know, 6 to 7 in the morning, got there about 6.05, place was great. What should be your attitude? If you, We're not in captivity, but what if we were, what should be our attitude? Jeremiah writes this. Jeremiah 29, 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent in exile to Jerusalem. Get this. It was God who sent them into exile. It was the Lord who did it to to teach them and to sanctify them and and to purify them. You think we could use that today in our fat cat America? You think we could use some purification and some sanctification and And some holiness in our life? Look at what Jeremiah says. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. In other words, don't stop living life. And verse 7, verse 7 is key. But seek the welfare of the city... Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find what? You will find your welfare. Man, this is, is this possible? <laughs> you bet it is. In the midst of captivity, the Lord calls them to keep on living life. The Lord calls them to pray for the welfare as they pray for their pagan government, their pagan neighbors, God blesses them. God causes them to be favored. What is our attitude towards our government today? Well, some of us have stinking attitudes. Some of us saying, I ain't wearing no mask. Well what are you communicating to your neighbor? You're you know what you're communicating to your neighbor? You don't give a hoot about them. That's what you're communicating. You're saying, I don't care, my rights trump anything. Well Maybe I, I, maybe I shouldn't use that word, Trump. But anyway, but my rights trump over them. And that's not a Christian attitude. Christian attitude is I love my neighbor. I'm going to serve my neighbor. I'm going to reach out to my neighbor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference in their life. The attitude that Paul says is to have the same attitude that Jesus had. And then he couples this, and he does this three times in Titus chapter 3, he couples the imperative with a command to do good works. In other words, to express tangible kindness to your neighbor. Look at the text. And we're only on verse one. So you got a good set, you got a good set of notes there. So you check out you check out the notes. So I might miss, I might miss a point or two, but you can catch them. So remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. And to do what? To be ready. It's an, action. it's an action word. It's to be ready for every good work. Every good work that the Lord's prepared for you. To be ready implies that you've gathered resources. To be ready implies that you've staged those resources. To be ready implies that you've got a delivery vehicle for those resources. To be ready implies you're looking for a place to use those resources. He says that again. To do the good. He says it again in verse 8. He says, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful. Now note this. He tells the pastor Titus, he says, to insist upon these things. And what does he insist upon? He says to devote themselves to what? To good works. Our faith is manifested in a time of crisis by doing the good. By having a heart for other people. He does, He says it a third time in verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves. What does devote imply? Devote implies a passion. Devote in, implies sacrifice. Devote implies a plan. Devote in, implies a priority. Says to, to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. If we have the wrong attitude, friends, I'm telling you today that we'll be unfruitful. We will not produce uh, the advancement of the kingdom of God. We, we will be looked at by our community and scorned. So what is your attitude? When, you know, Wednesday's coming. Wednesday's coming. And what is going to be your attitude on on Wednesday? When the governor says, put the mask on. What I want to say to you is put the mask on and preach the gospel. Put the mask on and smile at your neighbor. You know what, you know what? When you have a mask on, if you smile, you can tell, you still know someone smiling at you. And you know you can still see the grumpy ones too. So put your mask on, put a smile on, love your neighbor. Next thing that we can see, attitude that Paul brings about is he goes, watch your mouth. Paul says, watch your words. Watch your words and let there be kindness in your words. Let there also be compassion for your unsaved neighbors. Take a look at the text with me. He says, to speak evil of no one. My goodness. Speak evil of no one. To speak evil of no one? Not even the ones I don't like. Not even the ones that I... That that I that I can't stand I yeah, no one. That's what the that's what the apostle Paul says. He says, watch your mouth. He says to to speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling. <laughs> oh my goodness. We need God's help, right? We we need to pray right now. Lord, give us a different spirit. Lord, give us a different attitude. Lord cleanse us from from uh <laughs> You know the pesky New England quarrelling. That no matter what someone says, we've got something. We've got some snarky thing to say. Gosh, I wish you was. You know, I can see you. I can see you right through this TV, this little thing here. I can see you, and I'm praying for you. Give it up. Give up the snarkiness. Give up the quarrelling. Be gentle, or show kindness. Show perfect courtesy towards all people. In other words, be nice. Do what they tell the kiddos to do in kindergarten and first grade. Be nice to your neighbor. Consider your neighbor. And Paul goes on. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hatred by others and hating one another, and praise the Lord. Verse 4. But, but what? But Jesus. Jesus came in to save us. Jesus came in to cleanse us. And he did it by his grace. Not one of us deserve it. Not one of us are righteous. Each one of us, just like a little lamb, just like a sheep has gone astray. We went the way we wanted to go. But God in his grace and his loving kindness, as Paul says in our text, He intervened in our life. Would you like God to intervene in your life right now? The Lord can do that if you humble yourself, if you stop being quarrelsome and snarky towards the people around you. If you don't know Jesus, He can intervene in your life today, right now. All you need to do is, is to say a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I... I repent of my sin, my quarrelsomeness, my snarkiness. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come into my heart and my life and you would forgive me me of my sins. That you'd wash me with the blood of Jesus. You'd cleanse me and forgive me my sins and give me a new spirit. Lord, I want to be born again from the inside out. Lord, I want to be a son and daughter of the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, I give you my heart and my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, the Holy Spirit has come into your heart, come into your life. He's made you one of his kids, his sons and daughters. And And if you've given your heart to the Lord this morning, reach out to us, tell us. And if you are a Christian and you're snarky and quarrelsome, you know, remember this. Remember where you came from. That's what the text says. Remember where you came from. You came from hatred and sin, and it was the grace of God that intervened in your life. And so give your neighbors a break. Those those neighbors that don't know Christ. Remember when you were like that? Remember when you when you when you cursed the name of the Lord and the Lord still saved you, still washed you. Still cleansed you. And so in closing this morning, there's a lot left to chapter 3. You got a great set of notes. At least I think they are. I hope you use them. But ask yourself a simple question. What's your attitude? What's your attitude towards your government? What's your attitude towards your neighbor? And let that attitude be transformed by the convicting power of the word of God that Paul says, make my joy complete. (laughs) So make Conway's joy complete. Have the same attitude that Christ had. Pray, Jesus, let that attitude take hold of my heart and my life so that I may be fruitful and devoted to the kingdom of God and to doing good works towards my neighbor. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit and and the life, each heart here at Calvary Chapel, all across the Merrimack Valley area. Lord, that you'd give us the heart of Jesus. Lord, that we would repent of our snarkiness and our quarrelsomeness. And we would have a good attitude towards our government, a good attitude towards Towards those that don't know Christ a good attitude to our wife and our children that we could reflect Christ in his beauty and his glory and that we would have joy joy through a transformed heart I pray this in Christ's name in Jesus name Amen well it's been great to I'd say teach but it's more like more like preaching God's word this morning so I've been, I, I pray that you'd give up your snarkiness. I pray you'd give up your quarrelsomeness because it is a detriment to, the, to, you, to joy in your life. And it's a, it leads to unfruitfulness in advancing the kingdom of God. Natasha going to come and close us. If you've got a question, you're welcome to, to send that in. I'm not guaranteeing any answers. But if you have a question, we'll take it. God bless you. Natasha.
4: morning we're going to do something a little different once in a while. We sort of do this where we we just sing a song and we focus on the lyrics. Um, It just seems so uh, appropriate this morning. uh, We're going to sing the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I really hope that these lyrics will speak to your heart. I was thinking about um, the verse, uh, verse uh, corinthians one thirteen. 13 if i speak in tongues of men and, ha- and of and of angels but have not love i am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal and in this song where it says tune my heart to sing thy grace i like to think of that like when there's an out of tune guitar you can you can notice right you can tell um and so that this song would be um just that we would make that our prayer, that we would tune our hearts and that we would be in tune with what God uh, would want for us. Come, thou fount
1: of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy Never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain, fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus saw me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the oh God I love here's my heart, oh take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, oh take and seal it, seal it for thy
4: God, I pray that as our hearts and our thoughts wander in every direction lately, that you would help us to just be tuned back, to be in tune with you, Lord, to keep our eyes focused on you, Jesus. Thank you so much for your incredible grace. I pray that that truth would, would humble our hearts and that we would speak with love and compassion, grace and mercy to all those
3: around us. In Jesus'
4: name, amen.
3: Thank you, Natasha. That was a sweet song. And uh, sometimes when I get home, uh, I don't listen to maybe, I listen to worship again. So that's a, that's going to be one that I'll listen to uh, this afternoon. So I've got some really great questions. Uh, I'm, I'm i I think I have more more than I could really handle, but uh let me let me read you um, uh, two of them there's been a number of comments that have also come in that have been been really sweet, so thank you for those um, The first two uh, can you comment to the essential workers, in other words, to the people that are on the front lines uh, whether they be in the medical field or or police work, or firemen, or, or how about uh, the folks at Market Basket that are, are so brave and, and, and courageous that they're serving us in, in uh, yeoman, yeoman fashion. So can you comment to the essential workers that deal with a lot of bad attitudes daily and how to keep their own hearts centered on Christ? It's a multi-part question. Can you comment on the essential workers that deal with a lot of bad attitudes daily and how to keep their own hearts centered on Christ throughout their shift? It can bring you down when you are surrounded by worldly focus. The second one kind of of dovetails into it. How can we keep a godly attitude of submission towards the government but also support and help those who are disenfranchised and treated poorly by that government? Well, let me... uh, Start out by sharing just a little bit from my past. Some of you, some of you know of it, that I was a military police guy in the Air Force, uh, and I worked uh, either security police or police work. After that, one one of the jobs, a couple jobs I've had, I I uh, worked for Virginia Power Company in the uh, security division. I ran uh, security at the Boston Garden. Had uh, Boston police powers when I ran security as the, the head security guy at the Boston Garden. And then I was director of security police at uh, what at then was a Mass Rehab Hospital, which which turned into Spaulding Hospital. And so I've been on the front lines of um, of responding to crisis medical situations, being the first responder on the scene. I've been there when, uh, you know, you had construction workers, uh, you know, uh, spit a Louie at you, you know, uh, not, not pleasant. I, I've been there when people have lost loved ones. Uh, I, 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 I've been there at all kinds of different kind of critical situations where people's lives were involved. And so I, I, I'm addressing these two questions from having experienced it. And let me say a couple things about this. As a first, that before you go to your shift, you have to prepare your heart. You just can't. You just can't show up, even if you're, you know, if you're a police or a medical guy or an RN or a doctor or market basket worker. You have to like start your day out and shape your heart and attitude through a daily devotion, reading the word, and through prayer. And so so when we when we begin our day, even as even as Christians, when we begin our day, we have to feed our spirit first because our, because that's going to get depleted during the day. And so we feed our spirit through the word of God and, and through prayer. And, and we build we build ourselves up because we know that we're going to face we're going to face difficulties during the day. And, and as we direct our focus towards the word of God and prayer during the day, what you're going to find is that that's going to be a rich well uh, to draw from. You're going to, you're going to put your bucket down in that well and be able to draw it out. So that's the first thing. The second thing is if you are an essential worker, if you're a first responder, is know this. Most, uh, most of us, if we're in that role, we're going to wear a special uniform. Uh, if you're a fireman, a policeman, an EMT, you're going to, ha- you're going to have a badge on if you're if you're working at market basket you're going to have a name tag on and i just visualized when when people when people were nasty and believe me they were nasty at the boston garden when people were nasty i just i just visualized that whatever they were saying is going to they were saying it to the badge they were they were saying it to the uniform and i and i made a decision not to take those things personally not some of them are pretty I, I won't even go there. But they were just diffi- difficult situations, difficult people. So you, you've you got to know that, that when people say nasty things to you or disparage you, it hits the badge first, and then it bounces off. Another thing I'd say is that no matter where you are, you are who you are, right? So no matter where you are, you are a Christian. And when uh, I remember one time as a... Uh, when I was running uh, Security for Boston Guide, I had to fire one of our, our workers. And, uh, and I, I, I brought him in, and I sat him down, and I said, look, uh, I, I, you just got to know that I've got to let you go. But, you know, I, I want to offer you some things that would bring hope to your life. You know, you're going to get let go here for non-performance. But, you know, you can use this as an opportunity to, get, to, to move on in your life. And this particular guy happened to know he was going to a Bible college. And I said, look, you know, faith impacts all of our life. I said, I'm a believer and you're a believer. And, and I hope that when you get to the next job, you can make a difference where you're working. One of the jobs I had in the past is I was uh, what they would call now a CNA. I was a nursing assistant at Winchester Hospital. No matter where you go, you are who you are. And when I'd go to work as a nursing assistant when I was going to college at at, uh, UMass, I would go there, and uh, I actually worked on 4 West at Winchester Hospital. The, The charged nurse's name was Mrs. Brooks, never forget her. And she was a she was a, she was everything you'd imagine about a charge nurse back in the day. She was strong, she was, she was a big woman, she was strong, didn't mess with Mrs. Brooks, but she had a tender heart, and she knew that my heart was towards ministry. and she would say to me, Eddie, I want you to go in. I know you got other things to do, but I want you to go, I want you to go in and sit. I want you to go in and sit with that lady or sit with that man because they're they're about to pass." And I'd go in and sit with that person, hold their hand and pray for them. It was the best being a being a nursing assistant was the best preparation for for the ministry. And and I'll say it again. You are who you are no matter where you are. And so if you are on the front lines, uh, you're a first responder, you're an essential worker. Be a believer. (laughs) Bring Christ into that and when and when people are heartbroken you know if you're an rn or a doctor or you work you work at Leahy or or lowell general you know be 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 that believer be that light in the midst of that be that person that that mentions the name of christ and 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 reaches out and holds that hand and prays for that person you know what in all my different roles uh you know before I became a pastor, I never met anybody that was in a crisis that, that didn't want prayer. And you can be who you are. You can be Matthew chapter 5. You can be that light. You can be that salt. So why? So they can see your good works and glorify your Father. And so we're, we're in a place where if we come to it with the right attitude, come to it with Christ-likeness, come to it with grace we can make a difference. We can make a difference in the world around us. You know, that's all the time I have for today. I, I, I know there's more questions and more comments. And and wh- I, what I'll try to do is, you know, we got the question of the week come in and, um, and just know that, that uh, you know, I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate your questions. And, and let's just close in prayer. Pray for these essential workers. Lord, we pray for The people that are serving us at Market Basket. The people, man, they are in in it. They are at the front of the line serving us. And I pray that you would bless them today. I pray, Lord, that you keep them safe. For our medical workers and our first responders, Lord. Lord. Lord, just give them grace for us when we're snarky and and our attitudes around, Lord, just give them grace for us. But we pray a blessing on our first responders and for our politicians who are they're they're in the midst of trying to make the best decisions that they can. And I pray that you'd intervene in the quiet times of their night and you'd reveal yourself to them and speak to them. In Christ's name, I pray. One more prayer. Lord, adjust our attitudes, I pray. In Jesus' name. Well, God bless you. That's all the time we have for today. And I pray that the Lord would keep you in the palm of his hand and that you would know the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you today. Have a great day in the Lord.